sometimes life calls us to do just total, total change. And so if we can be brave enough, if we feel it, if we're guided to it or since it's coming, just to really walk bravely and strongly and wisely into whatever change or transformation it is and say, yep, I'm changing. I'm going to be a new Addison or a new whatever. It, from what I see, makes you stronger, adds a lot more beautiful dimension to a person, you know? Um, you know, you can say, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. People knew me like this, 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 and this. You know, so by the time you get to the end of this beautiful life journey, you can say, wow, look at all the things that I did. Look at all the versions of me that I was. Good, bad, and ugly. I love it all. So... You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to be with you all. Well, we're going to fly with the Archangels today <laughs> with the gorgeous Addison Ames. Welcome, Addison, to the show. <laughs> Corinne, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Another American that's having trouble with my name. It's hilarious. <laughs> you, I love you, it. I thought you preferred Corinne. You like Karen? Uh, Karen, Karen, Corinne. Karen. Thank you. That's okay. <laughs> my mother used to say to people, like motor car, you know, and make the motor car sound when uh, she was when people were struggling with my name. Anyway, we won't talk about <laughs> my name. Please remember to subscribe to the shows. I'm I'm trying to um get some more subscribers so that I can do fundraisers on YouTube. I need uh, another, at least another thousand subscribers to be able to do that. So if you could share that with your show, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, I'd really appreciate it and share the shows with your friends. There's a reason why we all harass you to subscribe. There's a reason. And uh, that would be fantastic. But we're going to go into Addison's story today and find out who he is and what he's all about and why he does what he does, let me tell you a bit about him from his bio. We'll get a bit of an idea about Addison. As a child, Addison felt like he was in love with God, growing up in a Baptist family and church, but he felt judged and thought he was going to go to hell because of who he was attracted to and who he loved. His first job out of college was as a Church of God minister of music. But all the time he was fighting his inner feelings and trying to do the right thing and be in truth. He says that there was a major battle of right and wrong raging within him. This saw him follow his girlfriend to New York where he became a model and an actor for a while, leaving the whole God thing behind. Eventually he went into marketing and worked there for around 20 years until he had a series of spiritual awakening events that changed his life. Addison went through many transformational changes, which awakened his connection with his spiritual guides. He now works as an awakening teacher, speaker, healer, channel, and writer, working with the archangels, channeling divine energy in everyday life. Addison is a full body channel for Metatron, 
a high dimensional being specializing in ascension, spiritual development and evolution of all creation, including earth and humanity. He is known as a healer using a wide range of modalities. And your website is addisonames.com, right, Addison? That's correct. Thank you, Corinne. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. Did I get it right or did I mess it up again? Ah, uh, darling, that, that'll do it. My car. My car. Karen, yeah. Car. <laughs> that will Thank do. That will do. So you're in marketing and you were there for 20 years. So you became an expert marketer. What was yep. the first signs, apart from as a child wanting to follow, you know, spirituality through religion, <laughs> what were the first signs of you're no longer going to be in marketing and there's something else waiting for you? Well, as a child, you know, maybe I should bounce back there to the beginning. I was always like a really spiritual kid. So, you know, answering your question and marketing even then, I always had this very spiritual sensibility about me, this sensitivity. I was always really nice to people, try to find the best in others. Some people think marketing people is really bad people. I, I was like a really nice marketing guy and try to uplift others and try to like find, <clears throat> you look between the lines with people when I would work with people. And then I began to have what I call a series of spiritual awakening events that were pretty dramatic. And it, if it wasn't for those spiritual awakening events, I probably would still be working in marketing, but it was those spiritual awakening events that really got me to get out of it. So I can either go into that now, or I can go back to the very beginning and kind of give a little bit more of the, the backstory. What would you like? Yeah, wherever you want to go. <clears throat> let's, let's go back to the beginning because that kind of sets the stage. So um, <clears throat> I grew up in a, a very loving, but very fundamentalist Christian household. And uh, mom and dad, great, great mom and dad, very kind, but very involved in the church. It wasn't exactly a Baptist church. It was a smaller denomination, but much like a Baptist church, which probably a lot of your viewers may be familiar with, very Bible-based, <clears throat> God, Jesus, religious concepts, um, very, very fundamentalist home and fundamentalist church that I went to. Um, but I was just a really sensitive kid who loved it. Like I loved religion. I loved the Bible. I loved Bible stories. I loved, uh, loved, um, I loved church and my family was very involved with the church. My mom taught, my dad was a deacon. So I was like always there and, and really loved it. <clears throat> loved God, loved the Bible. I really learned a lot of the Bible, memorized a lot of the Bible. That was a key part of the teaching there you know, learned about the angels, learned about all the Bible stories and really loved it, got into it. And then uh, very early on, probably around five or six, <clears throat> I really identified kind of parts of my sexuality that I like guys, I like boys, even, you know, five or six year old, like I really knew girls are fine, but I really like guys. But <clears throat> I heard teaching about homosexuality come from the pastor and from the church. And it didn't quite hit me. You know, it took me a little while to go, oh, I think they're talking about me. But at some point in time, probably around about seven or eight, uh, it kind of hit home. Hey, they're talking about me. And, you know, the teaching basically was it's bad, it's horrible. You're going to hell. God doesn't love you. Nobody loves you. We don't love you. <laughs> Your mom and dad don't love you. And meanwhile, I'm a kid, very loving. I mean, when it comes to love, 
I'm, that's one of my core attributes. I'm very loving with myself, very loving and kind with others. I see myself as gentle with others. I really care. And so I'm a sensitive little loving kid and then I'm being told I'm horrible. I'm going to hell and no one loves me. And so <laughs> some of, some of your, you and your audience may know this idea of going to the altar to have people pray for you at a church. And um, <clears throat> every Sunday at church, there was an altar call. And so for a long time, I would go every Sunday to the altar at church in my heart and mind, asking God to take away the gay from me, take away these feelings, which I didn't even know was gay at that point in time, so that I would be loved and wouldn't go to hell. <clears throat> and my parents kept asking me, well, why are you going? What's wrong? Do you want to talk about, about why you're going to the altar? And I wouldn't tell them because I didn't want them to know. So, and everybody in the church was like, why is this kid going down there all the time? But I wouldn't tell anybody because, you know, I didn't want backlash. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm talking to God and trying to understand spirituality, Bible teaching and justify it all. So <clears throat> at a level, it was all very confusing and really difficult. And, um, you know, probably very depressing for, for that little kid to be able to try to understand it all. But I kept moving through it and moving through it and getting older and older and still having those feelings. So probably after about four or five years of asking God to take it away from me, I basically said, well, God, I guess you're not taking it away from me. I just have it. But so then I tried to suppress it and try to date girls and say I'm not that and lie to myself and lie to others. So then I went through a lying phase about that where I denied it. You know, and if people would ever say anything to me a little bit about liking girls, I would be like, yes, yes, yes. And, you know, try to like hang out with girls and like girls, you know how it is when you're kids and um, really suppress that part of me. So, you know, my early year of spirituality, it was really important to me and a real key part of my life, but it was also really confusing and left me lying. And, you know, truth has always been a real part of me, too. Like, I never like to lie. I always like to be honest and truthful and say, you know, really what I'm feeling. Like, I'd always wear my emotions on my sleeve, and I still do many times. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be in truth. I couldn't tell my truth. So it was a little, um, it was like a difficult childhood in that way. Loving family, but they didn't understand me. They didn't understand what I was going through. I couldn't talk about it. And so I had to hide and keep secrets. So uh, I'll stop there if you have any questions. I don't want to bulldoze through too much of it. But Yeah, we'll, we'll keep going. I, I, I'm thinking, like, how did you reconcile those feelings? with? Because I guess that as a child, like many people, the only spirituality that we're, uh, we come up against is through a church which has all mm -hmm. these rules and regulations of do and don't do. And yeah, so yeah, you didn't, you just like left it and went to New York, right? Well, I, you know, so, you know, so I, so let's say I'm around 12, I begin to say, oh, I don't know if God's taking this away from me. So I stopped asking so often, but every once in a while I would ask like, God, I think this is bad. Can I do something different? Help, help, help. But I really never got any resolution on it. So basically what I did was start to kind of start lying to myself about it and lie to others about it and suppress it. And so it kind of went that way through um, through like middle school. And um, I was going to a Christian middle school at that point in time. And there was a guy that I was really attracted to. And um, again, I tried to suppress it and not show it. 
And at one point in time, I finally did say something and it didn't go well. And so that guy reported it to the school administration. Again, this is a Christian fundamentalist school, a Baptist uh, church school at that point in time. And so the administration called my parents in, called me in, and basically had an inquisition and outed me in front of my parents and kicked me out of school. And so I got kicked out of school for, you know, saying I was attracted to another guy there and he kind of persecuted me. The whole school persecuted me. I got kicked out. So that was, you know, very difficult part of my early teenage or earlier mid teenage years. But uh, so then again, I said, okay, well, I'm not going to do it. My parents sent me to Christian counseling and um, all kinds of therapy to try to get it taken away from me, put me on some medication and that kind of stuff. So I was like, well, I'm not going to do that again. I had a really bad experience. So I went back to dating girls or started dating girls at that point in time and suppressing those feelings and lying about it. And then I went on to one of the schools that I went to was a Christian college. So I went on to Christian college, lied about it there, dated girls, still suppressing it. Really difficult. You know, it's very, it's painful to not, especially when it comes to love, when you love something, you want to show it, you want to like engage with it, you want to hug it, go out with it, go have dinner with it. And I really couldn't do that. I had to lie about it. And so it was very difficult through my high school and um, and college years. So after college, my first job out of college, because I really felt all throughout my entire childhood, really since I was five, called into the ministry is what I called it at that point in time, which now we would call spiritual work. But um, so I, you know, I was a musician. Uh, trained classical pianist, played a number of in- instruments, wrote music, arranged music, started conducting even in high school, high school bands and things like that. And so um, I graduated from high school and went into a ministerial position, kind of taking this calling of like, I want to be a minister, I want to help people, work with people as a real calling to serve God, serve people, serve the church at that point in time. And so my first real job out of college was as a minister of music at a Church of God, which is a fundamentalist charismatic denomination in Atlanta, Georgia. And so I was a minister of music, so I would lead the congregation in singing, you know, teach the orchestra and the musicians, work with the choir, kids choir, all that kind of thing. Put music programs together for the church, which I really loved. I have a real heart for music and how it touches people and uplifts people. So I did church work for a while, not real too long, because as I got older and older, I began to say, you know, these feelings, I got to do something with these feelings. Because at one point in time, I felt like I got up in front of all these people every Sunday and lied to them. Because if they knew the truth of me, they wouldn't want me up there. They would think I wasn't, you know, good enough or I wasn't fit for the job. They probably would never hired me if I was really honest with them. So, um, and again, I'm like really trying to be honest, but also kind of do my thing, do my calling, keep my job, whatever. And uh, I had a girlfriend at that point in time, one wonderful, wonderful, beautiful young lady. I'm sure she's still beautiful, but at that point in time, I was like really good looking. It's been a few years now. And uh, she and I heard about this model casting call that was happening in Atlanta. And she's like, "Why, why don't we go? and just check it out and see how it goes. 
And so kind of as a fluke, we both went just to see what was going to happen. There was like model agents coming in from Miami, New York and L- L.A. And just to see. So it was like a big a big casting call. <clears throat> and I went and I did really well. And uh, there was a number of modeling agencies that were interested, interested in me. And one modeling agency kind of like signed me up. And um, much to my surprise, I didn't expect it. So I ended up thinking, wow, this is my out. This is my way to kind of get to New York. I think that's where all the gay people are. That's what I hear. (laughs) So I, um, you know, I decided I'd rather, I I need to pursue this truth. And it was a real kind of like battling of good and evil within me. You know, what's right? What's wrong? Is the Bible right? Am I right? I was really even wondering, is homosexuality a sin? Am I going to go to hell? I mean, there was all kinds of like inner battles. It's pretty bad. And so I finally said, you know, it was came down to truth, really. And I said, I think my truth is I have to pursue this. I need to see what's behind this. And so at that point in time, I didn't really have any guides. I was really all kind of like fundamentalist Christian God kind of thing. God really didn't have any guidance for me on that. So I just followed my heart and made my mind up that I was going to quit my job at the church and move to New York. And so my game plan was, okay, well, I'm going to get out of this kind of like working for a church and fundamentalist Christian environment while I have to be this way and go up there and be true, be true to myself and be able to walk around and say, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is who I love. And so it was really brave. I mean, I was really pretty kind of like um, naive in a way and young at that point in time. And so I picked up quit my church job and moved to New York City and um, started doing modeling and did some acting, industrial videos and things like that and working in the media. So that's what I had. That's what got me to New York and got me out of church. And it took me a few months to kind of, you know, feel the energy of New York, which is pretty wild. But finally, I was able to really for the first time in my whole life away from my family, religion and people who understood me in a certain way finally be in this city where people really don't know me. Uh, I'm doing some cool stuff. I'm meeting some cool people, but I can really be true to myself and say who I am. And so for me, it was one of the most beautiful, powerful experiences. I can remember walking down the streets of New York and going, oh my God, I, I'm not lying. I can, I'm, I'm, I'm me. I can be real. And, um, you know, I get emotional talking about it because it was like, the hard casing of what I had to be fitting into a mold from friends and family and religion, finally it was gone. So, um, so I worked in that industry for a while and I'd also studied, studied marketing communications and some of that, those kinds of things in school and just through kind of networking and meeting people, you know, being in New York City, I met marketing people and ended up taking a marketing job and then left working in the media and started doing marketing, public relations, advertising, that kind of thing. And then worked in marketing for a number of years in New York, on the West Coast and some different places. And um, and w- what I call it is really like learning how the human works. Um, <clears throat> I was a nice guy working in marketing and really cared about connecting with people. So, uh, you know, you and I talked earlier about this, the the psychology of it is what I really loved, understanding kind of like how the human works, which is core to the way I work now. 
And then I began to have a series of really kind of scary spiritual awakening events that were like modules that I went through that was really kind of like, <clears throat> again, this idea of good and evil fighting, if you want to think of it that way. I had these beings <clears throat> and these beings. So I began to really be able to hear, feel, and see things. You know, like people talk about their psychic senses opening up. That really began to happen for me in very deep and fast ways and really scary ways. I had these, I don't know what they were. I, I mean, I kind of know what they were, but I would call them dark beings who were very abusive, horrible, um, and just hateful kind of beings that would talk, started coming into my life and talk to me and beat me up emotionally. They even would move things in my house. I could you know, see physical objects moving. It was almost like a movie. It was very, very frightening for me. And this would start happening at night for periods of four or five days. These bad beings would come in and start persecuting me. And they would keep coming in over and over again. I would be like, I don't know what's going on here. I, I would hear like knocking, you know, like physical things along with kind of tele, you know, telepathic and other kind of clairvoyant uh, inputs. And it really scared the goodness out of me. And so this happened for a little while. And finally, it was like, finally, I said, you know what, I need to get help from the good guys. I know there's good guys out there. So, you know, I had some training with the archangels before. So I called in the four primary archangels, Michael, Gabriel, Uriel, and Raphael. And it took me a few minutes to kind of get them. But they finally came in and helped kind of clean up the mess. And, you know, I there was a lot of stuff that happened in all of this. It almost would be like a movie of the week kind of thing. Very, very frightening. I was crying. I bought all the sage you could possibly imagine and saging my house. And I got all the crystals and selenite you could possibly imagine. I had selenite everywhere. I had crystals all over me. Um, I called in the archangels. And the archangels said, listen, we need to get you with a Reiki master that we really like. And so uh, they led me to meet a Reiki master who I ended up working with for a long time. And so between the archangels, my guides came in as well. I'm working with this Reiki master, learning Reiki and kind of like getting a lot of the old energies out of me. And throughout this time, I'm like talking all the time. I'm like listening to them, talking, learning, they're teaching me. Um, it was a mix of very scary and very wise love and enlightening. And after a while, these dark beings began to go away and leave me alone, but it took a while. It was probably about a year or so of ongoing battles between good and bad, where really scary, I mean, scary poop your pants kind of scary uh, stuff was happening to me and I was experiencing and really mean stuff happening to me. Meanwhile, light beings are coming in to help me to get free from it and move forward from it. And, you know, through all that, I finally got to a place of stability where I was just working with my guides and the four archangels. After those guys were gone, I'm still working with a Reiki master and she's teaching me and really helping me to get energetically and spiritually clean. My guides and angels are working with me to help me really to know myself and understand what I need to do. And they began to guide me really, really strictly and give me some very specific guidance, specific guidance about what to do. So they guided me to a number of other teachers that I worked with. 
I learned Reiki, a number of kinds of Reiki. So now I'm a Reiki grandmaster. Um, and I've learned, you know, Karuna Key Reiki, Crystal Reiki, Quantum Reiki, a number of other kinds of energy healing modalities. So I did quite a bit of study for a while, worked with some other masters. And um, then my guides guided me to start channeling. They connected me with Metatron. And after everything settled, I learned a lot, grew a lot, got stable. <clears throat> I worked with Metatron. Metatron worked with me for a while. Then we started working on channeling, which we've been doing now for a number of years. And then they said, you need, you need to start a website, which is an old version of the website that's up there now. So I started a kind of a simple website, got it up, begin to get some clients, some starter clients kind of get going, kind of learn what I'm doing. Guides are working with me, started to build a business, got going. And then they said, um, moved to Sedona. And so I moved to Sedona for a year and did kind of like more practicum there in Sedona and kind of learning spiritual work, trying to understand, kind of taking everything that I've learned from church work early on, learning how to be a pastor, guide people, help people on their spiritual journey, all this kind of stuff. Marketing world, learning about people, how they work, how they function, how to connect with people, and then kind of spiritual awakening, learning how to connect with the higher realms in new ways, all these new teachings, and then amalgamated all in kind of the spiritual teacher that I am now. And then finally, after quite some time, having the boldness and the bravery at the guidance of my guides to say to my job, I'm going to leave. And so they work with me. And so I kind of dovetail. I went down to part time with my marketing job as my spiritual business grew and began to kind of move out of the marketing field, out of that marketing job altogether and start spiritual work altogether. And so now I've been doing this for a number of years. And, um, you know, for me, I, I love working with people. I love people. The reason why I do what I do is because of people. Let me ask you. Yeah. Why do you think you attracted what you call the negative beings? I don't think I attracted them. I think they're part of my teaching. Why do you think they're a part of your teaching? Well, when I work with people now, um, you know, I work with people who work with, who have all kinds of spiritual walks of life. Everything from people who don't know what's happening in their world, but they're looking for some spiritual teacher to help guide them through kind of like what I was looking for when I was led to that Reiki master to help guide me through all that difficult transition time, all the way to advanced teachers. <clears throat> so I work with people who sometimes work with attachments, uh, dark beings, trying to get over some, you know, demonic issues, dark issues, whatever it may be. So I was able to kind of understand how those beings work, how to counteract them and how to you know move on into the light from those things so I, I see it as practicum as i listen to your story i feel like the battle you were having with the beings be it the angel beings and what you call the dark beings was like the battle you were having as a kid trying to be holy and feeling like you were going to go to hell because of who you, you know who you truly were so the battle was still raging on um, so it turned out like a psychological battle to like a spiritual battle. And uh, part of it for sure. Yeah. And the war had yeah. to stop. Uh, let me ask you, because everything is resonance. When I say attract, everything that's happening in our life is, is through attraction, like thought attracts thought. And so if we're still engaging in thoughts of guilt and, and not worthiness, and which I felt like listening to your story, you 
you indulged in a lot as a kid, you know, like trying to uphold a standard of morality that this church was asking you to be and feeling like you couldn't uphold it because your truth was louder than their rules and regulations, their rights and their wrongs, right? Yeah, and I always felt like I had to be the best little kid in the world. Yeah. Like, you know, I was always an advanced student. I was in, um, I was a kid that was bussed out of normal school into gifted programs because I was very, very highly intelligent. I always pushed myself and always had to be the smartest kid, the best kid, the best behaved kid, the best performing kid. And so if I was a kid who was flawed in some way, which at that point in time, you know, now sometimes 10 year old kids come out and say, this is the way I feel about love. But at that point in time, there's no way I could do that. So I felt like I had this dirty little secret that I had to hide. And um, because I had this kind of like standard that I put on myself and my family put on me of being this really evolved kid academically and even spiritually, you know, the church loved me and I was very involved with it. So I felt like I was called to a very high order. So, you know, one, one of the things that I work through, and maybe this kind of <clears throat> goes to the resonance point that you made, which is a very good one about these dark beings, is moving out of secrets. So I had to keep secrets for the whole, for more than half of my life, which, you know, I love the phrase, we're only as sick as our secrets. And that one was something that really resonated with me because here I am trying to be in truth, be the best kind of person I can be, the best little boy in the world. And I have this kind of like dark closet of stuff that I'm stuffing things in. And so <clears throat> very hard, you know, and, you know, I see with people that I work with now is many people keep secrets, keep secrets from your husband, your wife or whatever it is. It's a common theme in the human psyche. Keep secrets. Oh, I don't tell them. This is my yeah. thing, you know? Yeah, when we, more, when we move more into a telepathic society, we won't be able to keep secrets. But, yeah, the secret game is a big game on earth, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I want to ask you, because uh, it's, you know, it was a big issue with you. When you started to connecting to the, the angels or the archangels, did you ask them, you know, like you had your church schooling, did you ask them? about being gay and all the sort of different levels of sexuality that we have in in modern society now what did they say to you when you asked well it didn't come up at first but it did come up later on you know um, i'll talk about me specifically i mean they basically said you got to be you and you got to be true to you and this is a fundamental part of you this is the way you are so um you know in my teaching from them and my guides and kind of the way that I see things is that we all have our own unique soul journey. And so we all have things that we want to do, we're called to do, and we have to do in this life. And so for me, it's kind of part of my soul definition, part of my makeup is that, I mean, really the way I see, see myself now is a pansexual. So I don't really even like, um, specifically, I'm only a gay guy because I really see myself as an open-minded love person. Again, love has only grown within me. So I don't like to be locked into any, any specific kind of way that people should expect for me to behave in love. I hope that makes sense. So generally I refer, refer to myself as pansexual, which means, you know, I love and let's see where it goes or let's see what happens. 
Yeah, I remember asking my daughter when she was young if she was a pansexual, she didn't know what it meant. And I'm like, ha, mum knows something that teenage daughter doesn't know. And she goes, what's a yeah. pansexual, mum? And I said, well, you don't look at gender, you just mm-hmm. love who you love. And she goes, yep, yeah. that's me. And uh, like, we're like, yeah, mum had one over the daughter. But, you know, when I was young, I dated many guys that were not out of the closet. I was just telling a girlfriend then um, the other day, that I met a guy in Greece because she'd come back from Greece. She's just been to Greece recently. She's like, have you been to Greece? And I said, yeah, I met this crazy American guy who, um, you know, he, he, he met these two Aussie girls and he goes, oh, you Aussies. He says, I can speak Aussie. And we go, oh, yeah, give it your best shot. And he goes, <laughs> seven, eight, nine, which is like really slang sort of Australian. You know, and yeah. we both cracked up. He was hilarious. We said, what's your name? And he goes, Craig. And we go, Greg. And he goes, no, Craig. And we're going, Craig. Anyway, like we couldn't understand what he was saying. And then we go, oh, Craig. You know, because Australians say Craig. And he says, Craig. He was just hilarious. So I had this wild fling with him. And then years later, he rang me and he said, I'd like to come to Sydney for Mardi Gras. Because, you know, Sydney is a huge gay community here in Sydney, like San Francisco. And I'm like, oh, yeah. He says, should I come? And I go, yeah, sure. He says, will I have a good time? And I said, well, you will if you're gay. And he goes, well, I am actually. And I'm like, oh, was that my fault? (laughs) 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 You have an affair with me and then decide that you're gay? (laughs) And he laughed and he said, that's funny. I know. He said, uh, no, he said, I was already gay, but you were just too irresistible. And I said, we talk <laughs> But, you know, that, you know, in that generation, how long are we going back? 30-odd years ago. That was, And this is not, we were not growing up in Baptist. You know, I had no religious background. And yet people were still scared to come out back then. I, I don't know what it's like now with the young generation, um, just because we're so scared of ridicule, I suppose feeling Mm -hmm. like being different. Paul Selig said to me that he came out of the gay closet, but he said it was even harder for him to come out of the spiritual closet because he was so scared of his peers, what they would say to him when he says, you know, I'm channeling the guides. How about about you coming out of the (laughs) spiritual closet and you're channeling Metatron? What were your peers saying to you about that? Well, you know, first of all, thank you for that story. I really, I really love that story. And I also love Paul, Paul Selig. So I, I love that you mentioned him too. So I, um, it was really hard. I lost a lot of friends when I, when I kind of came out of the spiritual closet, like Paul says, because um, I came out of the sexual closet and I came out of the spiritual closet, both like him. Um, I would say I probably lost <clears throat> about mm, 80% of my friends um, when I came out of the spiritual closet from my professional community and really had to restart in many ways because they just thought they either didn't know what to think or thought I was nuts and everything in between. Um, some people were kind of curious and some people were curious what channeling was and then checked it out and said, you know, like, click, no, I'm not, I'm not interested or thought I was scary. Um, or just thought like, you know, angels and healing, like, you know, energy healing was like stupid, basically. So, um, and, and I lost a lot of credibility with those business people because they thought that I was now doing something that had really no founding in science or reality. 
And uh, I remember a dear friend, a friend of mine saying, you know, all that stuff and those dimensions out there can stay there. You need to be here working here, not really realizing that all the dimensions really work together in some way, shape or form here. Yep. And um, so there, there wasn't a lot of understanding. I still have some friends that have stuck with me since then. And I really consider those good friends because, you know, when, when friends stay with you through transition and change in your life, through all the different Addisons or Karens, whatever it may be, those are your real friends, you know, who knew you like this, this and this and this. And, you know, I have a couple of really good friends that have seen me change or transform a couple of couple of times and they still love me and like me but you don't get a, a lot of friends that are like that so in answer to your question it was it was really rough and especially when, when i moved to sedona um some of them thought you know why is he going to sedona that's like in the middle of no nowhere why would anybody go to sedona meanwhile i was going there because it was like a nurturing spiritual community of people who could understand what i was doing and that's really what I was looking for, because where I was at that point in time, which was in Orlando, Florida, um, they, that community really had no idea what I was doing. And I needed people, I needed kind of that nurturing community that kind of said, yeah, we see what you're doing. We see you, we acknowledge you, we're going to work with you. So there I didn't have that. So technically and fundamentally in my growth as a spiritual teacher, I needed that kind of loving community in order to to germinate and grow so got just a little bit about coming out of the closet in that way so when did metatron introduce him her themselves to you and and what do you feel metatron is as a as a guide as an entity mm -hmm. as a channel i work with my guides and with the four archangels and you talk about resonance it's like I just knew through all of my knowing and senses, these were my guides, these were my angels. They were working with me very hand in glove and giving me information that I really could trust. <clears throat> and they also got me to other teachers, kind of third party helpers who had been doing this for a long time, including the Reiki master, which I mentioned, who'd been doing it for 20, 25 years actually grew up in a Native American community that taught energy healing and all this kind of stuff. So she had a lifelong experience. So they all kind of gave me some third party reinforcement and teaching. So I'm kind of like checking, 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 checking my sources. So it was all very grounded and real. And so after that kind of stability, probably after about a year or so of that, they brought Metatron in and um, I really didn't know too much about him. And I work with Metatron on a couple of different levels in a very high, high dimensional level. He is a divine being that works to help ascension and then drops down and then works in different ways. You know, these are beings that have no body or form really. And so Metatron can work as an archangel. You know, some people see him as an archangel. I work with him kind of in a higher way where he's just, a, I call him a divine being or a fixer that helps grease the wheels of ascension. And um, he came in and started working with me almost like a, a math teacher might. You know, many people might know Metatron is very technical, sacred geometry, mathematical, very uh, exact, an exact teacher, very strict teacher. He's very tough with me. And we started to work together in very kind of like training ways. I would get to know him, start, you know, to learn how to channel. 
and uh, develop those techniques. And so now Metatron have been, and I have been working together really closely for probably about four or so years. So I know him quite well. And we work together every day in very deep ways. And I, I really respect and love Metatron. You said that he works with sacred geometry. Is that what he's known for? Because I know, you know, the archangels are given roles and identity with, through our human mind, like you know, Michael helps for protection and this angel does this and that angel does that. What is Metatron known for? Ascension. Yeah, I mean, to be really specific, Ascension. So, you know, when I work with him and when I channel him, you know, he's really focused on helping people, the way he says it, get out of old thinking and get into new thinking. You know, just like when I had my awakening experiences, it was a multidimensional experience, but I begin to get new information, see things differently, know things like you have very profound knowings and psychic abilities. I begin to have that too and have them work with me to give me new knowledge and say, okay, these are old understandings of yourself. This is the way you used to see the world. Now here's, here are new ways to see the world. So Metatron tries to get people to put old ways of seeing themselves and the world around them and the universe behind them and start to move into new thought. So, um, you know, to answer your question in just in one word, ascension. So Metatron's working with thought forms and belief systems and conditioning and helping people break through the limiting ideas we have about ourselves to, to understand sure. who we fully are as multidimensional beings of light and love and spirit incarnate in a physical form. Yeah. Right? I would say I would say it's very precise. Well well said. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to Good put job. in some, some words. Uh, do you want to bring Metatron through? And uh, I, I can ask you some questions or maybe I could ask sure. Metatron. I was going to say, what is he saying about, you know, where we are and where we're going and how it's all going? Because if you look at the world collectively, like how are we doing? A lot of people say that we're doing worse. A lot of people say that we're doing really well. What does Metatron say about it? Sure. Well, I'll ask you as the host of your show, would you rather talk to me or Metatron about that? Oh, look, I don't mind, darling. It's up to you. <laughs> How are you feeling? <laughs> okay. G give me a second to connect, connect with Metatron. So um, he's here. Yeah. So um, he'd like to talk to you if that's okay with you. Okay. So um, what I'm going to do is kind of move this back a little bit because he tends to wave his arms an awful lot. And give me a moment to connect, please. In the understanding of yourself, you are. Now, as we work, we work, we work, we work, we work, we work, we work. We work with you in different dimensions. The human is not a single dimension, but many dimensions. The human, as we say, holds one through 12. Now, we are dimension workers. When you work with something, you know it. You have shorthand for it. The dimensions that you understand are in a way out there, but in a way in here. You are multidimensional divine beings. Now we'll answer your question, dear Corinne, because we want you to know that you are, and you are, and you are, and you are, and you are. As the human understands themselves, they are. Now please listen to this, you and everyone watching. The human works through understanding. They are spiritual beings, they are soul beings, they are light beings, they are energetic beings, they are sound, they are frequency, they are form, they are resonance, they are all kinds of things. The human is a magnificent being. 
But a human that knows himself as humdrum is humdrum. A human that knows itself as divine is one that is divine. As you know yourself, you are. So what we work, Metatron, and there are many workers out there working, you work, he works, lots of people work, there's working, is everyone works in their own way. Everyone has a job to do. Our job is this, to teach new understandings. For the knowledge that you know, book or other, is that which you know. You all have curricula. You come into this world and you teach, you teach, you teach. You're all teachers and students and you work hand in hand in that way. If the teacher only knows this, the student only knows this. They work hand in hand and the student and the teaching work together as one and that becomes something great. So what we do as Metatron on high who drops down in as many things, just as you all are many things, we are not just a simple one thing, we are many things, is that we identify things in the people that we work with and yea, even humanity and earth, things that you need to know and need to go. The idea of spiritual ascension and awakening, as this guy before you said earlier, is I leave the old behind and I go. We'll say it one more time so that all of you can know I leave the old behind and I go. Listen, spiritual awakening is many different things for many different people. It can be good, bad, ugly, magnificent, this, that, and the other. The dark night of the soul exists for many. You have loss, you have gain. Earth is a difficult place. So again, a more precise and exactitude answer to your question, dear one, is this, earth is okay. It is a place and space that has forgotten itself. And that's the key thing for you all to remember. If you knew you all, all of you were divine beings and you were multi-dimensional, dimensions one through 12 and many, many, many things, all the things that your soul has experienced here and there and in between, if all of you, all of you on earth knew exactly who you were in your magnificence, you wouldn't be where you are. Because you are limited in the forgetfulness of who you think you are, Mass people, the masses, the many people on earth, don't know who they are. They've forgotten. I'm a banker. I'm a lawyer. That's it. I have a wife, a kids, a car. That's it. And as you know yourself, you are. So if that's the way that person knows themselves and their knowing is wrapped in them, then that's what they are. And they go on like that. And they die missing the opportunity in this life that the soul presents itself to in this body, this beautiful body that you all have, to be something more than what you think you are. And this is a beauty, a beauty indeed of what it is to be a human. To be more than what you are. It is the overcoming. Now listen to this, all of you, please. Life is not I get, I get, I get, I get. The beauty of life is I overcome, I transition, I transform. A spiritual awakening, would you like to hear the story? You wanted to hear his story, which is a nice one. There are others out there that are much greater, but his is a nice one. He's an okay guy. We talk to him much like the guides talk to Paul. We know them. We love them. We like them. We like him. He's okay. We like you. You're great. When people have a way to be, that's all they can be. But when people understand themselves in different ways, like through spiritual awakenings, boom, something happened, my life changed. Do you get this? What the earth needs now certainly is love, as the song says, and many other things, but an awakening, which really is, wow, I know things differently now. 
Ascension, which you all talked about before, which is one of our jobs here on Earth, is to help the Earth ascend. Where the Earth is headed really is 5, 9, 12, and 13. Those are dimensions, by the way. And as Earth bounces around, what it does is become something profound. A being, Earth and all on it, that holds dimensions 13 to 26, which is a whole new universe. We call it the next universe. It's a new universe forming 13 through 26, and there is where Earth lands and has the power to create a whole new universal understanding in a set of frequency wave dimensions called 13 through 26, where a lot of new things happen. So we as divine beings have a lot riding, riding, riding on Earth. So to answer your question, again, and in different detail, dear one, is we have a lot riding on Earth because it's going in a place and space where it's got to be in a certain caliber and a way of understanding. So much so that it pins, pins, it's a very important place to be, a whole new range of dimensions, 13 through 26. Now, if Earth Let's say it misses the mark. Let's say Earth doesn't do what it's supposed to do and humanity doesn't do it either. It doesn't hit that mark. A lot of us really care about that. Divine beings and others, what we call extraterrestrials and all kinds of beings, things like that. So there are many different parties who are involved with Earth right now, as you may know, who are helping it to understand itself and ascend. So we hope this answers your question. Do you have other questions for us? No, I think that does it. Thank you Wonderful. so much. Yes. We appreciate you. We will let you uh, go and talk to him. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Yes. Hello. Thank, you. Thank you, Metatron. <laughs> so when you feel Metatron coming through you, do you feel like there's a crowd? Or do you feel like mm -hmm. it's a big energy? Like, does it feel like a singular identity? What does it feel like to you? Uh, well, they're a collective of 16 beings working together as one, but I feel a singular energy, and I, I would, the way I generally describe it is uh, very powerful. I've always seen Metatron as very powerful and a very big energy. <laughs> and how did you acclimate to that energy? Well, it's taken years to get to acclimate it. Uh, when it first came in, it was so intense that it would almost knock me out. Mm -hmm. so, and I think they did that my guides and Metatron combined to help me to understand what I was working with. Like, this is a significant thing. So now Metatron is always kind of around in, in, a, in a way. And so now I am more comfortable with his energy. But still, like when I come back, even now, I'm a little bit kind of like this, you know, because I have to adjust from that big energy kind of more to a more equilibrium of my own energy. But I like it. I like Metatron's energy a lot. I remember when I first started channeling, I had a headache for three days and uh, I just needed to acclimate to that energy because, uh, you know, as you bring through higher guidance, uh, it has to resonate with the frequency. It has to be more similar to the frequency you're carrying. So if you're carrying a lot of unworthiness stuff, which I was as a young girl, mm. um, yeah, it can give you a headache for three days. <laughs> so, yeah. Like yeah. uh, you have to really do the work. You have to really walk the talk in order yeah. to carry the energy. Well, um, he asked if I had or he, they, I'd like to say they rather than he, 
give it a name as a, as a male, but if I had any other questions, um, I think he, they were answering the questions that I had. Really the questions was how's humanity doing and where are we going? I think that was answered. Yeah. What's been the major teaching that has changed your life that you've brought through Metatron? Mm. I think you are many things, you know, um, he says that to me a lot, or you are and you are. And he'll say you are and 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 you are just to remind me that especially if I get kind of down or frustrated or why did this thing happen? There's like a lot of things going on. I have many things. There's many aspects to me. There's many aspects to other people. Generally, there's not a singular answer for anything, but there's a multitudinous answer for something. So it's, you know, he, he almost in sometimes very tough ways says, don't think of anything as one, but it's always many things. And to me, that's been a really impactful teaching for me in the way that I see myself and understand others. So people may say, you know, yes or no, or this or that, but there's a lot of other things that play behind it. There's never really any just simple one answer. Yeah. When we're upset about something like a psychologist or a healer might say, it's coming from this point in your childhood. Like you decided this and now this is upsetting you, but it be, could be coming from a multiple facets of past and present and future lives and decisions made in other dimensions. And it could be coming from many different places. Like oh, totally. Why you choose what you choose, uh, who you are, what you are. And yeah, yeah, it can come from many different places. Uh, but it all comes back to the core of love, really, doesn't it? It all comes back to who we are as source energy, electing yeah. to experience these multifaceted directions of source. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to leave with us? Any messages you'd like to leave with us before we go? I, I think maybe don't be scared to transform. You know, we talked a lot about transformation, transformation, transformation. And um, <clears throat> it's been a key part of my life. I've had some, you know, key life transformations where like everything changed. And uh, sometimes life calls us to do just total, total change. And so if we can be brave enough, if we feel it, if we're guided to it or since it's coming, just to really walk bravely and strongly and wisely into whatever change or transformation it is and say, yep, I'm changing. I'm going to be a new Addison or a new whatever. It, from what I see, makes you stronger adds a lot more beautiful dimension to a person, you know, um, you know, you can say, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. People knew me like this, 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 and this, you know, so by the time you get to the end of this beautiful life journey, you can say, wow, look at all the things that I did. Look at all the versions of me that I was good, bad, and ugly. I love it all. So, uh, to me, be a, a transformation specialist. And I, I know I say this for myself, I consider myself a transformation specialist. I've, you know, I've gained a lot, lost a lot, lot gone through a lot. So, um, you know, don't be scared to become a transformation specialist. 
What a beautiful message to leave everyone with. That's wonderful. Yeah, don't be scared of change. Don't be scared to transform. That's just perfect and beautiful. Addison, thank you so much for sharing yourself so openly and vulnerably with us today on the show. It was beautiful to have you. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate you allowing me and I appreciate you and your show and I'm supporting you on your subscriber uh, goals and journey. Um, I like what you do and just really appreciate you. Thank you. Wonderful conversation with Addison. We were just yakking after the show as we were about uh, about this conversation about, oh, I was just saying to him, I have a friend who's got four kids uh, about transitioning, but transitioning in so many ways, like the sexual agenda conversation is, seems to be huge amongst um, young people, teenagers in the mainstream media. Everyone's crying about people transitioning from male to female, female to male. seems to be a big topic of conversation, lots of judgment around it, lots of judgment around it and reasons why and the God issue and, oh, God, it seems to be a big conversation. But I've got a friend who's got four kids, two trans, one gay, one straight. Uh, yeah, I find the younger generation are just more fluid in their understanding and don't buy into identities too much, that pansexual energy, that pansexual identity is something that, sort of suits them better. I love who I love and I don't care what gender you are. It's just how I feel the time that I meet you. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a big topic of conversation. I was saying to Addison, we were just discussing about, uh, he was telling me some stories of you know living in New York and then moving to San Francisco and different people he knew. And I was telling him some stories about friends I know and people I've had on radio. I had a girlfriend who had a boyfriend who transitioned into a female and how when he trans from a male to a female that he didn't want to date men now that he was a female, he was still in love with his girlfriend. Like he didn't change his sexual preference. He just changed what he looked like. He felt, yeah, it was so interesting. And Addison was telling me that the same with his friend who was a gay man that transed into a woman and then he became a heterosexual because he still wanted to date men as a woman. Oh, it's all so mixed up. But this unity consciousness, if unity consciousness is coming into this polarized environment where we separate everything, we separate, you know, we've the 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 gender thing is a way, it's just another way we separate. You're male, I'm female, males are like that, females are like this. Where in truth, we're all one energy experiencing the diversity of what it is to be human. And I think that the younger generation have this knowing and understanding of feeling that unity within them, that oneness and expressing in a world that is rooted in separation and polarity. And so they're just mixing it up a bit, aren't they? They're just playing with it all. Fascinating conversation. Loved that with Addison. And uh, thanks again for listening and watching and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. <laughs> I'd love your subscription. Press that button. I put a message on Facebook in one of my groups. Please help me. Can you subscribe? And so many people were like eager and some people said, yep, I'm already subscribed. And some people said, oh, my subscription, I'm not subscribed anymore. Go figure, I don't know. And uh, some said, oh, my God, what needy energy. I'm going to unsubscribe from you and not follow you and block you for asking that. And it's interesting to see how uh, people react to things that you ask from them. All you're doing is asking and people can say yes or no. The people get affronted for you asking. This one woman got so affronted. Oh, this is icky, hideous, needy energy. I'm going to block you and unsubscribe and unfollow you. 
I'm like, what's going on in her life that she would get so upset that I would ask her to subscribe to a, <laughs> a video platform? Isn't it interesting? You know, what's coming out of us, it's what's in us, right? So if you're getting upset about people asking you to subscribe or anything you're getting upset about, look at why you're getting upset and what's coming out of you. That's what this is all about, finding that balance and harmony within ourselves so that people can ask of us and we we can say yes one of my favorites is kevin he's such a highly highly evolved being here on earth and he's so humble and so happy and so eager to help and and he shares all my shows and he's always so eager so eager to help anyone and that's that energy of love isn't it working through a human form doesn't get upset or affronted or insulted about anything just love kevin he was our last guest in the inner sanctum oh no that was sabine he was the guest before that but moon tucker moonwalker tucker is coming on who had this profound nde and she's all about thought forms and belief systems so we're going to have a great conversation with moon this next upcoming inner sanctum session that's coming up on the 16th 17th let me have a look at the dates saturday in the states where are we yeah 15th 16th 16th here in sydney muntaka at uh, 8 a.m in the morning and uh, and it's the afternoon in this on in the states at uh, on the 15th saturday afternoon from three till six depending on i think it's uh three pacific six eastern we go for a couple of hours i stream uh some of it on platforms youtube and facebook and different platforms twitter streaming on twitter now too and even stream on instagram these days and then we do a bit of a q a not streaming so people can just open up and ask any questions and not feel like they're being recorded on or you know on video so i look forward to meeting you in the inner sanctum thanks again for listening and watching the shows and if you haven't checked out the book awakened by death please do so and i'll catch you next time bye for now 